Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. As always, I'm your host, Peter Bulmer, and today I'm joined by Doran. Doran, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, of course. Now, before we get into the heart of the conversation, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, where your interest lies within the automotive market, and kind of how you got your start? I've started my career as an engineer, hardware, software, then product management, sales, CEO, and then having my own companies. As for industries, I've been in the telco industries. And I've seen several revolutions like the internet, the telco, and um, I've been spending about five years in the fleet business prior to um, starting drives. Actually, it led me to understand the market uh, about 10 years ago when I looked at the EVs, which was a big question mark in the beginning. But then I realized that if this thing happens, it's a major revolution. And I like to be actually to start or be part of major revolutions because it's an opportunity for a change. And I think that a lot of what I've done in my past career assisted me and still assists me in, in this uh, amazing journey. Yeah. Now, what are some of the concerns around sustainability and electric vehicles? To just continue from before, uh, when we've started in Europe, then moved to the US, then expanded, now we are working in, different, uh, in the different continents. And I, I can see different business models in the different locations and different challenges. So about sustainability, first of all, EVs are a lot greener than other vehicles. So the vehicles themselves are greener. But then the question is about the energy, which type of energy we are generating in order to do, uh, use that for the EVs. And what we see is that in many cases, like one of our customers is uh, EVgo, we are providing the technology for the service providers around EV charging. So for instance, EVgo are using only green energy to all the chargers uh, across the US. Their business model is to support the public charging. What we see is that uh, in different places in the world, we see more and more usage of green energy. And on the other hand, what we see is that there is a different structure or different revolution that is taking place in the energy world. So when we look at mobility and EVs, most of the charging is being done at home, work, and then less is on the public. A lot of energy is uh, being used in the public. And if you look at gas stations, it's about 3% of the overall usage from EV charging perspective. So it means that all this energy that uh, used to be transferred through gas stations is now going to be spread all over. It means that most of the charging, as said, are at home and work. So which type of energy is going to be uh, fed into those locations, that makes a difference. But it's not only that, it means that in some cases we have more constraints. So do we have enough power from the utilities, from the grid in order to support EV charging? What do you do with that? How do you balance the overall energy that is needed to the EVs? It's a major challenge. And then it links back to the energy management and the power generation. 
What we found out, and probably are going to talk about it uh, later, is that if we look at the EVs as battery on wheels, and therefore we can decide when to charge, and also if uh, looking at vehicle to grid, we can discharge the batteries, we can use the EVs as battery on wheels to balance the grid, whether it's renewables or any other way of generation. So normally the usage of energy is that you have two peaks in the morning and in the evening. In many cases, if it's not renewables, the uh, generation is generation to the peak because you can't stop the turbines. So what if we could have generate half of the energy, store it in the off-peak and then use it on the peak and again, store it in the off-peak and use it on the peak. If we'll do that, we can actually generate a lot less energy up to half and we can have a greener world because it's less money for generation, but also less pollution. Sustainability perspective, If we look at the EVs from one hand, uh, transportation is uh, taking between 40 to 60% of the CO2 emissions. A lot of the rest is going from energy generation. And if we can use the vehicles to actually balance the grid and reduce that, then we have an amazing solution that will recharge the planet and will serve as a solution for generations to come. So therefore, I'm really proud to be in this area where we can learn, investigate, and create a different approach for energy, not only for the EV charging, but also for the energy generation as a whole. So I guess the obvious follow-up question to that would be, because I mean, this all sounds amazing and great, but in order to have an energy storage system, you do need, you know, rare minerals, you need to mine, you need, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into obtaining this energy storage system that are really sustainable and, you know, are are kind of damaging. So what's, I guess my question would be, is there a less damaging way to store the energy? You know, what's on the cusp of battery technology? So what we're actually using uh, another technology to assist in that. So if if you look at recommendations of uh, replacements of batteries on your remote control, Normally it says, you know, replace both batteries, not only one. And the reason is that the weak part wins. So you need to replace them. So in batteries, it's the same. If you have a weak battery, it will weaken the entire uh, structure. So we have a solution of uh, a company that we work with where they have those chips that sits on the the batteries and they can decide which batteries are going to be used now and and they can disconnect the batteries that are not as good as needed. So the weakest links. By that, they can extend the life of the batteries quite dramatically. But it's not only that, if you're using this technology, you extend the curve of usage and capacity of the batteries, but you can also use second life batteries. So what we are trying to do is to use that as a technology to extend the life of the batteries by taking them as second life from the vehicles into storage units and then use this storage both for EV charging and as as a tool for balancing the grid. So for instance, in our parking lot in in the campus, the high-tech campus that we are in, in minus one parking, there there is not enough energy to serve the EVs. So what we do, we are using those batteries, which are second life batteries, we charge them at night and we discharge them into the vehicles during the day. So you are right, it is a challenge, but what we're trying to do is to actually use that and extend the life of the batteries dramatically and also use second life batteries as a tool 
for energy management, energy storage. Interesting. So what would be in your perfect world would be the most efficient energy management model? How can either a government, a company, a municipality optimize their energy management? So I'm talking about that from the perspective of EVs. So if we look at the EV side of things, what we see is that, first of all, if uh, my uh, vehicle is now uh, around 300 and something miles per charge, I'm using something like 10 every day. So in most cases, I'm not using all the energy. Only in rare cases, I'm using full charge of the battery. So one thing is that I have some capacity that I can manage in a better way. It means that if you balance things properly and you're looking at a campus, it may be a parking lot, it may be a CNI building or, or part of the fleet of the municipalities or even the utilities, you don't need to charge all of them simultaneously. So if you're using smart energy management and you decide which vehicle to charge according to different algorithms, if you take into consideration the amount of power that gets into the site, the time of use, meaning when the tariffs are cheaper, which means when the uh, energy is more available or less available, and you play with the amount of charge throughout the day according to the behavior of the drivers, then you can use the EV charging in a lot better way, use the current grid structure, balance the generation, and have a more sustainable world. And that fits different types of usage. So at home, you normally charge at night uh, or in the evening, but we can decide where to charge. Now, the, the thing is, or the fact is that you normally are not uh, coming in empty. So you have something like, uh, I don't know, 60, 70% or even 80%, and then you just charge the difference. If we decide when to charge according to the energy that we have, time of use, and different signals from the utilities, then we are actually using it in a clever way. So it will cost less, but also the burden of the EVs on the, on the grid is a lot less. In fleets, it's a bit uh, more challenging because uh, in some cases you have a back-to-depot fleet or a back-to-home fleet. In a back-to-depot fleet, you need to make sure that all the vehicles are charged. One of our customers is a big truck OEM, truck uh, manufacturer. So in this case, Think about 10 trucks that are getting into a depot in the evening, some of them 4 p.m., some of them 6 p.m., and all of them needs to leave at 6 a.m. in the morning. So we need to understand how much energy we provide to each one of their of the vehicles, how we balance it in order to make sure that in the morning it's full, but we don't need to do that simultaneously. So the ability to decide where to charge, when to charge, it's critical in order to have more sustainability and to use the energy when you have that. We also have customers that are using wind generation. And in this case, sometimes you have overwind. In this case, they may even pay the drivers to charge more. So with clever or smart energy management, we can decide that at that point that you have more wind energy and you must use it. Otherwise, the transformers may burn. Then we can put more on the vehicles and then change the plan, change the algorithm. So it's about clever algorithms that decides when to charge. It's different to different user, user profiles. So different users are using it differently. Different sites are being used differently. That's why we are using uh, AI and we are using different algorithms to understand 
when to charge, how to charge, and how to balance all of that. It's complex. It's not easy. We are still studying it because, um, as I said, different types of fleets are behaving differently. You have different needs of different municipalities or even different CNI, commercial industrial buildings, or even in the MDUs, in the multi-dwelling units, you may have different challenges. So what we are doing, we are using the data that we have about the usage profiles and the amount of energy that we get, the breakers, the site situation, and, and, and sometimes even the state of charge of the vehicles in order to make small decisions about where to, when to charge, how to charge, and balance all of this complex environment. I can give you several examples, but you know, try to think about uh, one of our customers in Europe is the largest renewable company in Europe, and they've bought different types of uh, EV charging networks in different countries. They've decided to use us and we have migrated those stations to our platform. And it means that we have different countries, different usage, but the sister companies of our customer are actually the energy generators. So if we can get signals from them, let's say 16 hours ahead of time on the next 24 hours, and then we can balance this area according to the profile of energy that are available, then we are making a major change on how we look at energy. So EVs are batteries on wheels and they have different capacities, but the number one thing to think about is the drivers. So we must uh, use AI in order to understand if the driver can afford less, less energy now, how can we make sure that the vehicles has as much as energy as needed in the right time? As I said, really complex uh, environment. Yeah, and even before that adoption becomes kind of a problem, because I imagine it's not too big of an issue at the current usage, but what do you think one of the challenges or some of the challenges would be in EV adoption like for the general public? Okay, so that's, uh, that's a great topic. By the way, about uh, the capacity in the US, you are right. What we have other continents where it's more challenging and you see that, uh, that you need energy management in order to actually make it happen. Right. If you're looking at the situation of the drivers, so number one thing is to make sure that the chargers are up and running. There are lots of issues of the char- for the chargers because there is some software in the vehicle, in the charger. It's a complex kind of protocols. So the number one thing that we are doing is uh, we are making sure that from operational perspective, the chargers are up and running. It means that we have special algorithms for self-healing to identify if there is an issue on the charger and to solve issues. So in the range of 70 to 80% of the cases, we understand and solve the issues remotely. And about 10% of the cases, there's a need to send someone on the site. So the number one thing is make sure that the chargers are up and running and available for the drivers when they need it. Second thing is the usability, to make sure that you have the right technological tools to find the charger, to start the charge, to register to a network, or even to reserve. Because when you are trying to get the, to cope with the issue of range anxiety or charging anxiety, then you need to find a charger. But what if you found the charger and then you drive and this charger is occupied? Then you need to wait and you don't know how much range, if you have a proper range should the next charger or not. So the ability to find the charger is really critical. Roaming, meaning the ability to charge on a different network than I am registered, 
or mm-hmm. to register in an easy way. It's also something which is really important for the drivers. So easy solutions like easy apps, uh, availability of the charger, to have enough chargers in the right locations, to make sure that you have some data about the safety of the chargers. You don't want to get to a charger, or I don't want to send my wife to a place where the charger is not as safe as uh, in a safe environment because she right. needs to stay until it charges. So those are things that you need to cope with, which you normally you, you are not, you don't need to borrow on that. If you have a back to home fleet, then you want to reimburse the driver on the charging in his salary. So it means that you need some connections and interfaces to other systems and other ecosystems. Think about going to a hotel. How do you make sure that you have a charger that is reserved for you? How do you pay for it? All of those mechanisms gets into technology. So what we are trying to do is to make it as easy as possible on the driver from operational perspective, from safety, operational perspective, it's self-healing. Safety is the ability of different drivers to mark charges as a safe environment. It's about uh, reservation and roaming, making sure that you have enough chargers and making sure that it's really, really easy for the drivers to understand the change. And then it leads also to fleets because we see more and more fleet electrification. The challenge is to make sure that the drivers, the fleet drivers are aware of EV charging and they feel comfortable with it. I can tell you that I will never go back to any other solution which is not EV because the acceleration is great. It's quiet. Thinking about getting into a petrol station and putting petrol in is something that, you know, it's it looks to me like something which is... Uh, not appropriate even. So going back for EV, from EVs, back at least from in my case, it sounds crazy. But the ease of use is, is critical. Availability of chargers, availability of chargers in your route. And not to bother with those charging, meaning knowing that you have enough energy. So range of the vehicles is critical and range anxiety is something which you must solve when you get into this, uh, this EV charging revolution in order to do, for this revolution to happen. And then it gets back to the utilities and how much energy you have to make sure that the breakers haven't jumped, like at home or walk, and then suddenly you, know, you wake up in the morning and your car is not ready and you can't go to walk. So those things require technology that will make sure that those things are solved. And from the driver perspective, now, as a driver, I just want to have fun or to, to do whatever I need to do to walk. But it's not about the technology of the EVs. I want to have fun. That's the case. Yeah. And so yeah. simplicity is a key is a key thing here. Yeah, very good. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with our listeners before uh, I let you go? Yeah, I think that one important thing is the EV charging revolution is happening. You may consider when it will happen in different countries. But we know that the vehicle manufacturers have moved to the next stage and they are manufacturing EVs. Some of them are abandoning the combustion engines as a whole. So this revolution is happening. I think that if we look at it properly, not only that this revolution will happen, but we can use this revolution to make a major change and impact on the, on the power network. And if we do that, we can drop the CO2 emission in a meaningful way. And by that, we can create a world which is a lot better for generations to come. So I think that we are really lucky that we are walking around this transformation. And I think that if we'll join team up 
and, uh, and join this revolution will make a major impact on the planet. And by the way, we call it Planet Recharge. <laughs> I like that. Well, that was very well said. Um, very interesting topic. Thanks so much for coming on. I uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure. And that takes us for another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.